I'm Tony Russo, and this is A Bagel Manifesto, where I share stories about coming to terms with belief, culture, and the profound sense of loss that nobody really cares about bagels anymore. In this episode, I want to talk a little bit about QAnon and the Satanic Panic. I'm the author of Dragged Into the Light, Truthers, Reptilians, Super Soldiers, and Death Inside an Online Cult, which was a look at a specific QAnon-style cult. The research and interview process gave me access to the rise of what would become the ideology we associate with QAnon. Writing the book was a particular experience for me because I spent so much time getting to know the ins and outs of this conspiracy cult that I sometimes forget that not everyone is all the way up to speed. It's not super important to have read the book, but I need you to know that the point of the story, the thing that I learned that I wanted to share with as many people as possible is that just calling conspiracy theories crazy doesn't help. And working to throw all of these beliefs and believers into the same box is probably counterproductive. These people know what the mainstream thinks of them, and they do not care. I'll go further and say that being looked down upon by the mainstream is essentially where they get their will to continue prosecuting their theories about the world. They feed on this fantasy that they're being persecuted, and that persecution complex keeps them motivated. Movements like QAnon are great examples of this. I think of QAnon as an umbrella, though, a lifestyle more than a strict set of beliefs. Just as the catch-all Christianity includes storefront praise centers as well as the Catholic Church, multiple QAnon followers have multiple interpretations about the hows and whys of specific conspiracies. It was one of the things I first noticed when I was researching. There's more and more talk about how the rise of QAnon feels like the satanic panic of the 1980s, let's say. But if I'm honest, that idea feels blog-driven, tapping into both nostalgia and current events. The satanic panic was fundamentally different. The only real similarity is an obsession with pedophilia rings, but I'll get to that in a minute. QAnon supposedly dates from around 2017, which is fair, I guess, but Sherry Schreiner, the prophet at the center of my book, had been spouting the conspiracies attributed to QAnon since not long after the turn of the century, and she was by no means alone. So while we don't have a firm or a super firm date on QAnon, the truther movement it encompasses was born on September 12th, 2001. That is a hard date. The events of 9-11 were the final straw for people who believed that judgment was coming. If you're not familiar, the satanic panic was a cultural phenomenon wherein people became convinced that the country was being overrun with satanic cults that abused children and participated in ritual murder. Innocent people went to jail over suspicion they'd committed crimes as cultists. It was a horrible time. It's really a horrible time whenever the Christian right decides to force its kookiness on the rest of us. But It was a different feeling altogether. The Washington Post ran a story a while back that suggested pervasive child abuse among members of the religious right was the engine that kept this trafficking story running. As it turns out, a pedophile is much more likely to attend your local house of worship than your local smut store, say, or your local house of representatives. The number of people I spoke to or read about in my research who had shadowy figures sneaking into their rooms at night haunts me. I worry that so many of the things attributed to the demons of Pizzagate are really first-hand accounts in disguise. Sometimes people need a spectral, 
evil other because the alternative is just too much to countenance. The critical difference between the satanic panic and QAnon is the confluence of religious and political disillusion. The lies we tell ourselves about elected officials committed to the public good keep crumbling. And the idea that professional religious leaders know any more about heaven than the average six-year-old just doesn't pass the smell test anymore. So-called regular people fight this in a normal and sensible way. We advocate for political change, and we insist that, in the end, we're pretty much all praying to the same basically good deity. We believe this on almost no evidence, as politicians and preachers line their pockets and indulge in their private sadism as we squabble. Conspiracy folks don't have that capacity for self-deceit. They're from a good and evil black and white reality. When a person with that attitude discovers that both America and religion are lying to them, they need it to be for a bigger reason than weakness in small, petty, avaricious men. Just as with the shadow lurking in the late-night quiet of the child's room, the horror is so much easier to face when it is inhuman and unknown. QAnon is not merely a dangerous fad. In the coming year or so, it may become a laughable, if tragic, label, but the ideas behind it are too tenacious to fade as the satanic panic did. The difference is that whether people believed the country was being overrun by Satanists was kind of a matter of opinion. That is, the people who believed in it were predominantly Christian, so satanic cults were already part of their culture. For them, something they believed in could still be different from who they were. That is not the case with our increasingly tribal culture. Who you are is very much what you believe. And when you're bound to that worldview, there's no good way out. Think of it this way. People don't believe in the 9-11 conspiracy. They are truthers. That's how they identify. More than that, it is how we identify them so we can identify ourselves in opposition. We question other people's beliefs and the reason for them, but we don't seem to be very interested in questioning our own. The result is an entire culture committed to tearing down wrong thinking in the world. We don't wonder why we believe the things we do. We only wonder why other people insist on being wrong. And that doesn't make for a healthy dynamic. The trickiest thing in writing about cults, or religion for that matter, is how often people focus on the content of people's beliefs rather than the reasons they come to have them. In the case of QAnon, we're not talking so much about a commitment to proving that, for example, the 9-11 attacks were an inside job or that pedophiles are loose in Washington, D.C., so much as being part of something bigger than oneself, of having a mission, a defining purpose. This isn't something that can be dismantled by facts. Putting it in terms of mainstream religion, there is absolutely zero evidence that there's an all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful God that takes any interest in human affairs. Either God lets children get raped, or he can't do anything to stop it. This might not mean that there's no God, but it is a fact that we have to actively ignore or make excuses for if we're going to continue claiming that God is all-good and all-powerful. In politics, People we have an affinity for always do their best against the evil, irrational opposition. Ours are never the slimy money grubbers and dissemblers. The satanic panic was a semi-predictable mass hysteria that is always going to bubble up in a religious state. As lots of people have pointed out, it is almost a kind of cycle or a wave that is part and parcel of religious fanaticism touching the mainstream. That's not what's going on with QAnon. QAnon is deeper. It's a reaction to an unconscious realization that our power structures have failed, that there is no safety in community. They are not wrong. Many just don't have the wherewithal to deal with something so complex, so they look for easy answers. 
And they're also not alone in that. For regular people, the easy answer is to attack the QAnon movement, to rain down facts upon dissenters to prove that they're stupid for their beliefs. The result is two opposing sides accusing one another of ignoring the evidence while making the fight not about how we should live together, but rather about why people are stupider than us. I talked about this on the Vice TV documentary series, The Devil You Know, Season 2. I think it might be the most salient thing I've said about conspiracy theory culture, so I'm just going to repeat it rather than try to reconstruct it. I think we all have to ask ourselves how we've been implicated by fake news culture. I think we have to ask ourselves, what do we do to perpetuate it? I worry that we don't ask ourselves often enough, how are we at fault? How are we the problem? Sherry Schreiner is like a lump in our breast. She isn't reflective of what we are like, but she's an indication of how awful we can be. The fact that any of these conspiracy people get the kind of traction they get is a symptom that we're not paying attention to. And the symptom is that we don't have people in charge that we can trust. Conspiracy theorists in that light are more like just an early warning bell. There are bad things coming and we need to deal with it. You know, I don't love our odds, but before we just dismiss this as crazy people killing crazy people, we need to recognize that it's an alarm bell going off and that we ignore it at our own peril. So what do you think? Even though I've been the only one talking for a while, I'd love to get your impression. You can shoot me an email at bytonyrusso at gmail.com. If you want to send along a voice memo, I'd be happy to replay it and comment on it. If you'd like to support the show, consider signing up for my newsletter at abagelmanifesto.com. You can also find me socially at bytonyrusso on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and all those fun places. And that's it for this episode, so uh, keep the faith.